This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Short-handed breakaway. JT Miller in on goal. Left right to the back end. He scores! Aronic dives at his own line, but Braden Shen's got a breakaway. In on goal to the forehand. Robbed by Demko with a right pad. Thatcher Demko. Wade sprayed and Shen, who tried to beat him with the shot. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Who's Banco? Back to Pedersen. Now for McKayev going to the goal. He scores! Ilya McKayev finds the back of the net for his second of the season. And the Canucks take a 5 nothing lead. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks back up that professional effort in Nashville with a dominant, no-nonsense win on home ice against the St. Louis Blues. No trap game at home, no trap game to end a road trip. Is this Canucks team different? They look different, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar will bring in Randy Janda into the discussion in just a moment. You, as always, can get in touch with us on our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. And, you know, it's one of those things where so many times last year we saw this team early on, and we were left speechless because... I mean, we couldn't believe that this was the effort that they put forth. We couldn't believe that they looked this this or, this or, uh, this organized. The last couple of games is the most organized I've seen this Canucks team look in years. And when you buck the trend and you back up your play and you play with this type of dedication and effort, you can't do anything but tip your cap to them, Randy. No, and today, especially at the start, guys, that was something that you have a team that's coming in from Calgary. They pick up a W there. They shut out the Flames, and they're probably peel, they're feeling pretty good about themselves. But they're on the you know back end of a back-to-back. Take advantage of that, and that's exactly what they did. 35 shot attempts to four in the first period. We're talking about the one nothing score, and after 20, I wouldn't be surprised if in the room they're saying, hey, man, we should have had two or three in that period. But coming out in the second period, having that play, Quinn Hughes, you know what, you got to be lucky you got to be good to be lucky and that's a play that he goes from left to right he goes downhill makes that backhand play that we saw in the preseason against Edmonton another game which he had two goals in that 5-2 win very similar play but this time he got lucky and it went off a skating in I just thought overall this was a team effort that you can look at you know being high energy right off the bat Beck and that was something that they need to do and they took advantage of a team St. Louis that didn't look good but credit to Canucks they look very good yeah you don't apologize for what your opponent is doing and when they give you the opportunity, you dominate them. And, you know, the, the thing outside of just the energy of, of the night is, you know, how composed they were throughout it. And, you know, coming off the, the, the message of, hey, finish the road trip. Go get that win versus Nashville. Start the homestand, right? It's, it's, it's always a tough one coming back home 12 days away. What is, what is it going to look like first game back? And I think a lot of people would have said, you know, it's, it, it's tough and it's can have a complacent game with your with your eye off the ball coming back home seeing your family and everything like that didn't materialize uh for a minute one like they get the early penalty uh and the power plays oh, look we talked to jt Miller in the first period in the first intermission and he sounded a little frustrated for how dominant yep. they were to only be up one nothing and who's the one that leads the charge here in the second period three points for jt miller and it, it just with every time you needed a moment from someone hey just like raise the game up again 
someone was doing it. Quinn Hughes, obviously, most notably, with a couple of goals. Uh, Phil DiGiuseppe with the goal, and, and it just threw out the lineup. Like, this is what you want to see, commitment to finish the job. Oh, you know what I like, though? Even when it was 5 nothing in that final goal, who's putting in the work? Elias Pettersson in the neutral zone to win that battle against Cairo, where, you know, you don't have to do that at that point, but... You see the opportunity. You're still going to battle the full 60. Great job by Pedersen. This is a play I wanted to highlight. Not just the Pedersen play, but at 5 nothing. Okay, like what? what's your mental engagement up being 5 nothing, and, and what is your commitment to win? And there's a play in the defensive zone. Ian Cole kind of turns it over, and it pops out to a couple of blues in the middle. And who's the person that comes from behind the net? Full effort. Philip Pronick. Sliding. Yes. Sticks yep. that stick out. Deflects it. Puck comes around on another loose puck, just calmly chips it over a stick, skates it out of the zone. Again, 5 nothing, five minutes to go. There's that mental commitment to say, hey, we're doing this for the goalie at least. And if this is the new mentality the team has, you need to see plays like that. And it's a new player coming in to say, hey, like this is who we are now. I'm glad you brought up that play because on that shift, Philip Peronik was making play after play. There yeah. was a play along the left-hand side. Robert Thomas trying to go in transition. And Philip Ronick was like, yeah, not on my watch. Stacked him, not a- done. Yeah. Same thing, 5 nothing, same same shift. And just the effort from minute one to minute 60 was complete. And I think it goes back to what you guys were just talking about, the professionalism and the different feel about it, and just in terms of the level of intensity the players played with. And we've seen it now for a few games. It's been trending in the right direction. We saw them take a I Honestly, going back and watching that Tampa, Tampa game, it wasn't a great game by any means, but they battled, I thought. And they had some bad moments. Five on five, especially. I thought they battled, yeah. right? And it wasn't good enough, clearly. They, they lost that game all, fair enough. But then a lot better in Florida. Much better in Nashville. And then tonight, the most dominant win they've had so far this season. And a player who's been a big part of that joins us now outside the Canucks locker room. And it's Phil DiGiuseppe scoring his second goal of the season. And Phil, uh, hey, I know it's early in the year. The fans are excited, of course. You guys have five wins in seven games. But is it fair to say that there's a different level of professionalism and business-like attitude you guys have right now? I think so. I think, uh, you know, not in an arrogant way, but we expect to win. Uh, we expect to come to work and... Um, you know, got it out for 60 minutes and, and worked for those two points. Well, we were talking to Ian Cole this morning at the morning skate, and he talked about, hey, you know, we did some good things on the trip, but we got a lot of work to do. Is, is that the mentality in the room? Is that what you guys walked in with today? Yeah, for sure. Um, even tonight, obviously, it was 5 nothing, but, uh, you know, once the game was, um, you know, 4 5 nothing, we kind of took the foot off the gas there and um, made Denver work a little too hard for that shutout. So, um, you know, obviously we like the result. Um, I thought we played really well for a uh, period and a half, two periods. We put it together, um, but that's something we got to be better against uh, the Rangers tomorrow. What was the mindset in the first intermission? Because there was there's so much puck domination in that first period, but maybe a sense of frustration with only being up one, and then you guys come charging in through the second period. What was said internally in that first intermission? Uh, just just keep on them. Obviously, you know we dominated that period and. We were only up one, so um, at that point they were still in the game. Um, not that they were feeling good, but I think after a dominant period like that, um, they, they felt they should have felt decent about you know only being down one. Uh, I don't know what the shots were if it was seventeen to two. Uh, you guys probably know that, 19 but to out nineteen to three, nineteen to three, pretty close. But um, yeah, we just came out like it was a new game. So um, credit to the guys. And, you know, your line has been having a lot of success, of course, uh, since the season began. You guys have stayed together. You're getting a lot of zone time. 
JT Miller, I got to get your thoughts on how he plays. I feel like sometimes, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk around JT, but what gets forgotten is how dominant he can be. When he's playing the way he's playing, another three points tonight, how big of a force is he? I don't know if he listens to the show, guys, so I don't want to pump his tires too much, but uh, he's a great player, obviously. Um, really easy to play with. Um, makes my life easy out there, so um, can't say enough good things. Um, you know, in my opinion, he plays a, a complete, total game. He's, he's on the forecheck. He's doing great in the D zone. Um, you know, obviously, his skill takes over. Um, I think our game plan as a line is just play simple and then um, obviously those, that skill that those two have um, kind of take over the game. So um, can't say enough good things about him. Not even just him on the ice uh, for, for what he can do. Um, just as an emotional uh, you know, totem for, for people to follow. Like we see him there when Hoaglander draws that penalty. Who's the first one in there? It's JT Miller. And, you know, I mentioned the, the sense of frustration. We talked to JT in the first intermission, and, and, and that's where I kind of picked up on it. Maybe there was some frustration. When, when he's playing like he does and, and that, that edge that he has in that second period that you saw, what's it like to see that and, and work off of? I mean, you guys like that. He's very passionate. Um, you know, high-intensity guys. So, um, and, and those little one-liners really pick guys up and give them confidence. I remember last year when I first got here, few, first few games, um, when I wasn't playing with him, he was very vocal with me, and, and uh, you know, that gave me some confidence. And, um, you know, he's always talking. Um, it just sometimes, you know, you need guys to step up and, and talk and, and bring that emotion, and he's, and he's done it every single game. So, um yeah, I don't know where he gets it from, but <laughs> definitely helps the boys. Two straight games with a goal for you. Uh, this one is one you know all hockey players dream of. You get a pass it up the middle. Uh, what were you thinking in that moment? Is that your go-to breakaway move? Yeah, I was surprised. Uh, I came off the bench. Um, and I was surprised that I got a leg up on the guy. Mizey made a great um, heads-up play to me. Um, the puck was bobbling a bit after I got it, and I felt the guy on my back. So, um, yeah, I would have liked to have gone high there, but didn't have much space so just whacked at it and uh got a fortunate one there was five hole part of the pre-scout because mckayev did the same later on as well uh he's a good friend of mine i don't <laughs> score much on five holes so that was not in my pre-scout <laughs> uh hey phil great stuff tonight congrats on the win and good luck tomorrow against the rangers thank you fellas always a pleasure uh, great stuff uh that's phil giuseppe another strong performance from him and uh, uh one of our favorites to talk to but nobody's a bigger fan than Dan Ricci. Should be everyone's favorite. Right? Well, he, he just, just works, man. Keeps stacking good just performances works. up. And like, I honestly. I know Phil dropped the line. I don't know if JT listens to the show. Of course he of listens, course to, the he listens to the show. Come on. He's got to listen to the show. JT knows what's up. Um, <laughs> shout out to Phil because, A, first of all, his, like, I, I know it's, you know, game seven of the year just completed, but there's going to be a lot of unsung hero kind of conversation already. But he's got a revenge game potentially tomorrow against the Rangers as well, mm. which is, remember, for a guy that really didn't hit consistency in the NHL until basically last year. He got a chance, and now he's running with it. You know that game's going to mean something special to him, where he was getting uh, you know, a run with the Carolina Hurricanes a bit, a little bit for the Rangers. Uh, a guy like this who's feeling confident, tomorrow means something to him. He didn't get an assist on the second Hughes goal, but he's the one that kind of jumps into the face-off circle Initially, as well. he got it, and they yeah. score-corrected it. Yeah, Besser kind of swipes yeah. away at that puck, uh, but yeah, like... We always talk about like the bottom line's got to be there as well when you're in that spot. He's doing the bottom line right now. Like that's that's two goals now for Phil DiGiuseppe so far. And if if he keeps putting in these performances uh, and and just contributing offensively, uh, it, it's it's creates an interesting dynamic for that line. And honestly, 
tonight, there was really not a single passenger for this Canucks team, right? And one of the trends we're starting to see is, yeah, it's not like the lines outside of Pedersen and, and um, Miller's line are generating a ton of offense, but what they're doing is spending time in the offensive zone. They're playing well defensively. And if you're getting that from your bottom six, that's how you can start coming at teams in waves a little bit. Now, it's harder to do against upper-end teams, but the Blues, the National Predators, to me, they're teams that are close to Vancouver's tier, but I always looked at Vancouver as being the better team. You can do that against these teams. It's harder against some of the higher-end teams, but that's how you come at teams in waves. Even if they're not scoring, just by spending time in the offensive zone, and especially on the second of a back-to-back, the Blues were completely gassed going through that. In the first period, we looked at the puck tracking data. It was 63%. Mm-hmm. Canucks had the possession. They had spent eight minutes. Now, a lot of it aided by power play, obviously, but eight minutes in the offensive zone. Blues had only spent one minute and change in the Canucks zone. It was such a stark contrast. And then no wonder the second period went the way they did because it was just in your own zen, in your own end panic for 20 minutes for the, for the St. Louis Blues. When you look at the best third and fourth lines in the NHL, it's not that they necessarily score. I remember a couple of years ago, the Islanders had you know a 20-goal score, mm-hmm. a couple of guys that were scoring. But why are they successful for other reasons? It's that they just lean on other teams and they have that puck possession mm-hmm. in the offensive zone. Go back to Vegas from a couple of years ago where they had that bigger lineup and the bottom six, they would just lean on teams and soften up those matchups for the top six. You're starting to pick that up a little bit to your point, Sat, where Dakota Joshua's line, I thought, played well against Nashville. They did that mm-hmm. again tonight. Niels Hoaglander didn't play that much, but you want to ask Jake Neighbors how much he had an impact on this game? Yeah. It felt like the second period on, Neighbors was just looking for Hoaglander because he was, something ticked him off. And early on in this game, you could see that Hoaglander was going right at Jordan Bennington. He was trying to be in his grill, and it's stuff like that that ticked off Scandella. A couple of those other defensemen, Neighbors, Sammy Blay, that's what you got to do. Puck is in the offensive zone, and you're a bit of a nuisance. You know, we talked about Hoaglander, and... Tockett mentioned himself, I've heard he's a buzzsaw. Like, that's the way he had said it. Basically implying, I want to see it. I think we're starting to see it in small samples now. Uh, I thought he was the best player in the first yep. period. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's 11 minutes. Uh, I'd like to see, you know, 12, 13, obviously. Uh, but but the shifts went 5, 7, 6 for him. Uh, a lot... Uh, the average was a lot larger in the third period, so he ended up getting uh, four and change. So it was it was more minutes in the third period, but he, he did nothing to kind of dissuade of, of how good he was tonight. And, and certainly the first period, he made so many good passes. Uh, the one to Lafferty, that was such a nice pass. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that I was I like best about him is that was emblematic of him being in the right spot again. And we talk about how much the forwards have to help with the breakout. It's being available by at the by the wall just below the blue line. He gets it, moves up a few feet, and just snacks it over to Lafferty. That's having Hoaglander being active, being in the right spot, and also Lafferty making the right play. I mean, when you're playing your system the right way and guys are in tune, now you can find guys with speed through the neutral zone. And that's some of the things that they've been wanting to build towards, and they were able to do that quite a bit tonight. Well, we heard this, I feel like, you know, going back to last year, do you know where your teammate is? You have to know where your teammate's going to be. You have to got to force that habit of, yeah. you know, when you're you're breaking out of the zone, it's got to be ingrained in your head. And that's what we're starting to see here. That Niels Hoaglander play and Lafferty just, you know, a little bit inside the post, like half an inch, that's a goal, right? It, it would have been a beautiful one at that. But that's both players identifying where they need to be to your point. And I love that about Lafferty's game where he's got a big body, but... He doesn't think twice about just going straight up, you know, straight line speed down the middle of the ice. He knows how to use, um, you know, the the physical attributes that yeah. he does have. So just a, that was a good example of if you do that more often, you're going to get more ice time. But Bick, 11 minutes is what, you know, he played. Mm-hmm. 
but it felt like he was out there more, which is a good thing. That implies that you're you're doing something every time you're out there. Very noticeable eleven mm-hmm. minutes, and he may, he makes a great keep on the on the blue line on the Queen Hughes first goal, and then where is he in front of the net battling with Colton Pareko? Yeah, this is now four Blues that we've mentioned who he's battled with all yeah. evening. It's like, and they're big boys too. Yeah, yeah, right? they, they, they were large human beings, and then draws a penalty on Tory Krug at the end of the game. Right? It, it was a like that's the type of performance. Uh, Neil Toglander has to have consistently because, again, he's playing 11 minutes. How do you stay in the lineup? You keep doing that. Are they a stable defensive team all of a sudden? Is it too early to say? Ask me that tomorrow. It's it's, it's too early to say. But the last, like, two games, Mm -hmm. they've given up next to nothing offensively. They had a bad third period against the Panthers, like we right? But for the first 40 minutes, they were strong there. You're right. It's too early to say, but it's trending towards being, at the very least, significantly better than last year. And I think at worst, they might be average defensively. I think your point earlier on about, you know, against Nashville and St. Louis, they can match. And even in this regard, I think tomorrow's test, and I understand it's on, you know, the the second of a back-to-back, but it is a a step up, right? We're talking about one of the best teams in the Metropolitan Division, a team that's going to be, you know, play in your face style of hockey. They've got Mm -hmm. guys that hold the blue line pretty well on their side too. Uh, Yeah, Jacob Truba being the the guy in in question here. Uh, So I like what I've seen, but I want to see it against, you know, another team, especially one that's maybe uh, a leader in their division, but so far so good. When you're limiting um, a couple of things, A, five on five, you know, that Nashville game was just, it felt like a game where they, they had everything under control, right? And even tonight, in the third period, Demko's got to make a few more saves. And as Phil DiGiuseppe mentioned, like, you know, maybe they, they kind of uh, fell off there a little bit, but they, they brought it back. They started to battle. But, you know, from a defensive perspective, the last two games have been strong. Today, they're on the front foot. They didn't, they didn't you know, bend, right? And, and that's something that's a good sign. But I, I'd like to see it against the Rangers tomorrow and see how they, they fare against one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, I think tomorrow it'll be interesting to see how they do against them. Thatcher Demko tonight wasn't really called into action a lot. Casey DeSmith gets to start uh, tomorrow, so we'll ultimately see ultimately see how that one goes. Just really quickly on the goaltending, we went through that 133-game streak where they didn't get a shutout. They get four or uh, 3 nothing against Chicago mm-hmm. at the end of the season last year. It only takes 11 games for them to get the next, sh- the, the, the next shutout. We're talking about structure and principles and all these things. Something to keep an eye on if they start stacking these up here and they go seven games, 13 games, rather than 133. Because that was a talking point. Yeah. It was nice to get it done at the end of last season say it's not going to be something to focus on, but it just goes 11 games from last the end of last season to now. And then that stat shows you defensively that there, there's been some major progress. Yeah. Absolutely. And we'll See ultimately how far it takes the team off to a good start. Great start, I'd say. Five and two on the season so far. Randy, great stuff calling the game alongside Brendan Bachelor. Enjoy the rest of your night. We'll chat soon. Cheers, boys. Enjoy your Friday night as well. Oh, we always will. better after a win. Hey, we're, we're getting that into our text inbox, like this one here, 650, 650. Uh, this feels so good. I hope we keep it going. I'm so excited to see this progress this year. And that is from Pavan from Delta uh, texting in. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox 650-650 and we'll get to more of those here as the show goes on and you can also grab a phone line and we'll get to that as well. 604-280-0650 We are going to hear from head coach Rick Talkett as soon as that becomes available and you know the, the ultimate test it will be as the season goes on here, Bick. You know, people are asking us like this one, uh, can we say they have a good start yet? Should we wait to see how they play tomorrow? It's It's Five, seven games into the season, right? 
But last year, like this texture says, they were 0-5-2 to start the year. Now they're 5-2-0 to start this season. Start riding pine. That's Abby texting in. I'd say they are off to a good start. Mm-hmm. It, we'll see how it goes from this point on. But what I'm seeing is most encouraging in terms of their trend. And if you're getting results and you're playing the way you're playing the last couple of games and your game is steadily improving, there's no reason to think it's not going to continue. I'm not saying they're going to keep winning five out of their mm-hmm. seven games, but it doesn't give you any suggestions that this is fool's gold. Like, this was not fool's gold victories these last two. This type of hockey will, will keep you in the game against anyone. Now, look, against the Vegases and the Colorados, will you lose 4-3, 4-2, something like that? Yeah, maybe. But you're, you're going to be in every game playing this way. And against the bad teams, uh, we've seen now 5 nothing, And on home ice at, they're plus 12 goal differential. Yeah. I've said this for a couple of years. This should be a difficult place to play, not just because, you know, fans and, and, and making it difficult. Um, the travel, like we always talk about the, the, the travel disadvantage Vancouver has. Right. Chalking up as many kilometers that they do. It's a distance for a lot of these Eastern teams to come here, Midwest teams to come here. They're usually playing three and four nights, back-to-back Calgary, or they go play Edmond, come here. They love it's, having fun in the city. It, it should be <laughs> difficult to win here. We'll make it hard for them. Yes. You know, at the, see, the, thing, the biggest thing for me for this team has been the last few years, and to be honest, we don't know what the ceiling is yet because we haven't seen them play serious enough yet. At least give yourself a chance for you to be the best, best version of yourself. And if you do that, then we can truly see what you're all about. The last couple of years, they're not giving themselves the best chance to win. You're not playing serious hockey. Now, it goes, it's all encompassing, and I think it's more holistic because you need the organization to be stable. You need them to make right decisions. You need to have faith in the people above you, your coaches. And if you do that, they give you an environment where you feel more stable and safe in terms of feeling like you can have success. Then it comes down to you bringing everything. And if we look at how talk has come in and we look at there, there was more stability since the Boudreaux change happened, there is no reason why these players shouldn't have a more serious approach to this season. There's no excuse of, hey, it's, it's a clown show behind the scenes. This is going on. That's going on. All those distractions have been eliminated. So now it comes down to you to, to, to meet your end of the bargain. And right now, it seems like they're showing that. And you hope that continues, but you can't help but be encouraged by what we've seen from this team. The phrase we've used, checked box, right? So the, the start for me was five games. That was a checked box. A natural start across the league is, you know, 15, 20 games here. Let's get to American Thanksgiving. That's really the start. And so uh, for people texting in, hey, is, is the start over? No, the, the start takes you to do American Thanksgiving. Uh, we still got a couple of weeks to go, just under a month. But you keep following this trend, you're, you're going to be in these games mm-hmm. leading up to to American Thanksgiving. Yeah, and if you give yourself a chance by being there, and you know how they say if you're four points out of mm-hmm. the playoff race, like your chances of making the playoffs are really diminished? Well, if you're four points up, your chances of making the playoffs at American Thanksgiving is very high. They're very good. doesn't guarantee anything, but it's the same, it's the same argument the other way. You get to that point, and you're a s- certain amount of points above the bar, 
it's going to be very hard for you not to be a playoff team. And that's where you want to find yourself. It doesn't guarantee anything, but it shows you how much farther you go and how much easier it might be for you to finally get back into the postseason. All right, let's hit a couple text messages here, 650, 650, and then we'll hit the phone boards. Uh, this one says, Party, be honest. How amped up is Riccio after that beauty deke from PDG? Are, are we already thinking six times six for the extension for him? I, the thing is, he has one more year beyond this mm-hmm. at league minimum. If he plays this way, they could, this could be a massive bargain contract for the team. Yeah, and, and we keep talking about you know players outplaying their contract. Uh, nobody doing it more right now than uh, Phil DiGiuseppe uh, as well. So a lot of love coming for him in the inbox. Uh, a lot of thoughts on his uh, fantastic interview with us. Uh, Steven Sanich saying, PDG, absolutely best on ice and on the air. Uh, unsigned text, uh, great interview. Uh, with PDG here uh, on the post-game show. Uh, other thoughts as well? Yeah, Steve from White Rock. Uh, he's on a league minimum salary for a couple more years. Continues like that. He can turn to an absolute diamond. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, this one, uh, 650, 650 from Vic. Solid win. Chris passes. Puck support. Uh, can you guys please rationalize why Hoaglander got a penalty? Uh, thanks, guys. I imagine... Look, it... it the game was getting a little chippy. I imagine they were trying to take the sting out of the game. Yeah, it was a little chippy. Friedman got run. There was a penalty. I think they were, yeah. Hoaglander didn't do anything. No, he didn't do anything. But I think it's just, uh, let's try to take the sting out of the game and get through these final four minutes. But certainly do not agree with Nils Hoaglander getting a penalty on that call. No, I agree with that too. But you know what? He was a pain in the butt to play against. Mm-hmm. And if Hoaglander plays like that, it gives an identity to the line he's on and also helps the team in a massive way. All right, let's hit the phone board. Let's take one phone call before we hit the break. Uh, let's go to uh, Vancouver where we have Nathan on the line. Nathan, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Foliar Shaw and Beer Belly Bikram. What are we doing tonight, boys? Lully getting up there in the Jimmy Robson or what? Oh, yeah, we're having a good time. Have you seen me before? Oh, that's a, that's a, that cut deep. Yeah, that one cut deep. <laughs> I'm sorry, Vic. I'm sorry. Only alliteration I could get out tonight was for you to catch the trades. But you're ravishing, buddy. You're ravishing, buddy. I take it back. I take it back. <laughs> Trap game what, boys? Solid effort from the gents tonight. Man, I've lost my voice. I was going to say Rogers Arena faithful. Like, let's get rocking a little bit more here. But after the game, like, there's woos going out through the entire plaza, like, the place is buzzing. Vancouver's buzzing again, boys. And you know, if we keep this going, uh, this might be a really cooking year. But um, anyways, uh, the Canucks way better at pressing the neutral zone tonight, hey? Yeah. Uh, yeah. During the, the road trip, like you guys were mentioning that, I totally agree with that. Like first Tampa and Philly especially, awful. Awful pressuring in the neutral zone, and everyone tonight was involved with that. So uh, that's something that needs to continue for sure. Um I'm honestly still expecting some bumps in the road, particularly in November, if the high dangers don't clean up. Like, there were a couple tonight. There was that ringer off the bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget who shot that. Maybe it was Cairo. But um, I do see the Canucks are doing a much better job this year at boxing out guys after the uh, opportunity, so there's not many second chances, which is awesome. Um, I saw the prick Rick from across the arena after that Pierce, uh, Pierce Suter giveaway when he was peeking into traffic there out of the zone. And uh, the only staple we're going to see after that one is Big Rick stapling his mangled corpse to the wall after that one, eh? <laughs> my goodness. Yeah, we might see that, that for sure. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Canucks fans, let's get rocking. It's a little bit of a morgue in the arena, so let's step it up. All right, boys, back to you. See you see later, Vic. 
<laughs> Thanks. That's Nathan in Vancouver, always bringing the passion on the phone calls. And he, I, the, the point he made about pressuring in the neutral zone, you saw it repeatedly tonight. And, you know, I had a moment where I, I was just laughing because, you know, the, for all the talk about Quinn Hughes not being a good defender, his transition defending and his defending in the neutral zone, how many times did he jump and disrupt passes on their breakouts by the blue line? He's not only stopping plays at his own blue line, he's stopping them at the opposing blue line. When he's leading the way like that, that's huge. But I think Nathan made a good point. They were far better in pressuring and, con- and contesting everything in the neutral zone. So many times he made it look so easy, just yeah. effortless. He moved so easy. And then just a, just a little poke and you just see Blues players, forwards especially, kind of skating out. And then it was just like, oh, the wide turn back. Like, here we go again. we got to defend again. Uh, you know, I, I thought the, the defense uh, in the neutral zone did a fantastic job. And even sometimes when there were transition opportunities, you know, someone who really skated back hard tonight, Andre Kuzmenko. Yeah. I, there was multiple shifts where he is just gunning head down from the circle, from the dot, and just says, like, I got to get back. He broke up a three on two uh, in the first period, I believe. Just... It was on a shift where he took so much abuse along the wall, took two uh, two Blues players to, to knock him yeah. down. And you think, kind of get discouraged on that shift. It, it, it's I, I got to do something for the team. And he, and he races all the way back. And he, certainly you know, the defense played their part, but uh, the forwards uh, had moments as well with the, with their own back pressure. The, the forwards are such a big part of not only you know your breakouts, but how you defend, how you back pressure. So much talk about the defense. And yes, you need quality defensemen. But if you have forwards that are committed, it makes all the difference in the world. And we saw that tonight. We've seen that the past couple of games. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650 uh, Santino from Coquitlam. Thoughts on PDG Selkie season? <laughs> so I think that might be Dan, Dan Riccio calling. You know, it's Santino from Coquitlam. Thanks for your thoughts. Keep your thoughts coming in. We'll get to more of your text messages. And we're going to hear from head coach Rick Tockett after a 5 nothing Canucks victory over the St. Louis Blues here at Rogers Arena. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar in the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Then ahead for Kyron. Now to Brandon Saad trying to split the Vancouver defense. Poke checked by the combination of Susie and Myers. And Myers feeds ahead. Here's DiGiuseppe in behind the defense. And on goal, he scores! Phil D. Giuseppe opens up Jordan Bennington and tucks it between his legs. The Canucks strike twice here in the first half of the second period. And PDG makes it 3 nothing. Yeah, I was surprised. Uh, I came off the bench. Um, and I was surprised that I got a leg up on a guy. Mizey made a great um, heads-up play to me. Um, the puck was bobbling a bit after I got it, and I felt the guy on my back. So, um, yeah, I would have liked to have gone high there, but didn't have much space. So just whacked at it and uh, got a fortunate one there. So modest, so humble. I just whacked at it to find a way to go in. Well, he's finding a way to not only get points, but help the Canucks win games and a 5 nothing victory on home ice over the St. Louis Blues. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. We'll take your phone calls as well, 604-280-0650. Uh, Brandon in Vancouver says, I don't know if it's just the back-to-back, but the Blues looked extremely slow and soft, losing all the battles, bad passes, too easy for the Canucks to gain entry and cause turnovers. It's a fair comment. It absolutely was. It was a fair comment. I will say, however, too, 
with the intensity the Canucks played with, they made the Blues look like the Canucks in Philly against the Flyers. Perfect. Yeah. Where you, you know where it was like that team was just playing with effort and energy, and you just couldn't match that intensity. And maybe it is the back-to-back that played a part in it, but I do think the Canucks were playing at such a high level of intensity that the Blues could never match at this game. And and there's just so many you know mental mistakes. Forget even effort, but like Tory Crew, like Tory Krug's a good player. Well, rough. But I mean, you know, throwing it right to Elias Pettersson's forehand. And he, it's not it's not as if PD like baited him into it. He just had a stick on his forehand and it went right to his tape. And Patterson made a great pass on this. Yeah. It's a small little saucer, but Crew kind of rushes him. He's like, all right, I've got to get past you. And he just kind of chipped it past him. And it sits perfectly for JT Miller to go put on a fantastic deke as well. well I mean, I'm going to talk about JT coming up in a few minutes. I can't get enough about how, how good JT's been to start the season. A lot of love for JT. And, and, and actually, how good he was tonight. We, we had the call from Nathan here. Yeah. Um, you're talking about the atmosphere and you know, Nathan's opinion. But there was a lot of uh, JT Miller... Uh, chance going on. Yeah, uh, finally. I, I heard three or four throughout the course of the evening. Uh, finally, he's getting some love, you know, and I, I know that it, it's been, and I know fans will say it's it's not about JT, and I understand all that, right? Like, we don't need to revisit and relitigate the trade and what JT is and what he isn't. But at the end of the day, he's a really good hockey player, and when he's engaged, and when he's playing the way he's playing tonight as a two-way player, there aren't a lot of guys like that in the league, man. And, and I'm not saying he's one of the top 10, 15 players in the league. That's not my point. Just my scarcity of the, the, the player type. Exactly. A guy that can win along the boards the way he can, be as physical as he can, but then be good defensively, be good in transition, be good on the power play, is now a net positive on the PK. Like, he's good in every situation all of a sudden, and he's a great, great playmaker. I mean, on the power play, Kuzmenko could have had a goal tonight. The best chance they had was oh, him pass? To, to pass. No look pass between his legs. I think it was or just from the side. It was, it was kind of a spinning, side. Yeah, yeah, spinning pass. No look uh, across the goal mouth from the behind the net, and Andre Kuzmenko almost walked the puck into the net. I mean, the types of plays he makes, I think it goes underrated because he's not a flash player, but he's such a strong, incredible playmaker off the wall and. When he's playing like this, this is the type of player that will have success in the postseason as well. And if a guy like him can be committed and be good as a two-way guy the way he showed he can be and has shown so far this season, it's more about the scarcity of that player type. But also, I know we cite this a lot, but we're talking about one of the most efficient scorers in Canucks history. You know, only Pavel Burry has mm-hmm. a higher point per game than J.T. Miller as a Vancouver Canuck. And here he's sitting 11 points in seven games. I, you know, like... I, no matter what we say about JT Miller tonight, it's not enough being said about how good JT's been so far this season. And the market hasn't yet really bought into it. They are chanting a bit more, but in terms of the narr- narrative and the discussions around this team, not enough is being made about how impactful JT Miller is and has been. Uh, Torgi, Miller is the early MVP. McKayev also uh, is the glue Guys, he changes the whole dynamic for the lines. Uh, 650-650, some more JT love. Uh, Trevor from Winnipeg, JT's a monster. He's the team, the leader the team needed uh, over Bo. Uh, texting in 650-650. I know you didn't <laughs> Bo want to, catching I, I, I know you didn't want to relitigate the pass, but that's what the texture just saying in the inbox. 650-650. Uh, yeah, uh, I'll try to find some more JT text here, but uh, the, the, there is plenty coming in here. Well, there should be. Uh, another strong performance from JT Miller. Uh, all right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. We'll hit some more. Let's go back to the phone boards, uh, and let's go to Burnaby. Uh, Hinock and Burnaby's on the line. What's going on? What do you have for us tonight? Yo, what up, guys? First time on the show. What up, Sat? What up, oh, Dick? Oh, love it, man. Appreciate it. What you got for us this evening? 
I thought the Canucks played really well. They played structured. Everybody mm-hmm. was moving. Kuzi was moving. Pedersen looking like he's got his game back. Ponick with that shot. The one-timers. And uh, Rick Tockett got this team buying in. And uh, let's let's get the game going, right? Let's get the streak going on here. Let's get four in a row tomorrow night. And uh, we'll see if everything goes right. Oh, let's hope so, man. Hey, appreciate the phone call. Thanks Always call, yeah. first call, but call in anytime you like. And, you know, on that point, too, go for your fourth victory. One of the discussions I remember ha- having with Ian Cole at training camp before the season, um, and he's great to talk to. I mean, you remember you talking oh, yeah. to him in person as well at the Jake Milford and, and just how, you know, like, he's very easy to talk to, right? Very, good quote. Great quote. But one of the things he mentioned was good teams don't often lose three games in a row, four games in a row. You might lose one, you may lose two, but you rectify it and then you start winning games. What, how, how have the Canucks reacted to losing two in a row? Three by winning row. three in a row. It's early signs, but I'm just saying this is something that they were talking about, that it's going to happen. We're going to lose a couple of games, but how do we respond to that? How do we use that and get better? And that's something that you're seeing here already uh, with, with winning your third in a row, and we'll see how they fare tomorrow against the Rangers. And I'm not saying tomorrow's a gravy game or whatever, but I mentioned this before the game, so I'll, I'll stay true to it now. You want to beat the Blues because it's an in-conference game. Mm-hmm. It's huge. This is a team you might be fighting for a wild-card spot with. Potentially, that might be the case, right? And, and hopefully, the way the Canucks are playing, maybe they get into the top three and you don't need to worry about the wild-card race. But it's still a conference opponent. The Rangers, not that you don't care about out-of-conference games, but they don't quite have the same meaning in terms of swings. And also, it's the second of a back-to-back. It's like, it is what it is. The fact they took care of business tonight, if you come away with a result even tomorrow... It's massive. Like you can, even if you get a point tomorrow, play well, play whatever it is. You get a point out of tomorrow, and you're sitting here with five, two, and one. That's how. Again, that's how you start piecing it together and becoming the type of team that builds a cushion and forces a way into the postseason. Uh, you talk about the importance of the conference. So Thatcher Demko starts tonight. Casey DeSmith tomorrow. Yeah. And now Thatcher Demko gets Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Three days full, full three days rest to prepare for another conference game against Nashville, who we just saw last Tuesday. So, talking about managing starts, managing minutes. Well, here's the, they prioritize the Western Conference game. Now he gets ready for the next Western Conference game. And, and by the way, Sat, here we go through seven games. Uh, they've only lost to Eastern Conference opponents. Yeah. That's where you want to have an advantage. All these things matter, you know, in terms of standings, too, and tiebreakers as the season goes on. Like, all these things matter, and it's a good start. Five regulation wins now, too. It's huge. It's massive. Uh, All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. Like somebody here says, JT, uh, not JT Miller, Tyler Myers should get some love. Ian says, how about that pass to PDG? Somebody else said, uh, give uh, Myers love for the way he played tonight. He played well tonight, breaking up some chances with the extra long frame and stick, and and it was a point of uh, something we did want to make at some point uh, during the postgame show. Yeah, like this is the type of game, because I know Yannick said it on your show, said it on my show this week, too. It's... He's, he's, he does have the total package. Yeah. Like, as far as physical traits and ability, he does have the total package. It, it, it is so much about, you know, just confidence and timing and, and reading the play and, and decision-making. It's more of a mental thing with Tyler Myers. But, you know, a, a peak getting off the bus type player, a lot of people say, look, that guy's awesome. 6'7", six, 6'8", six, long stick, can make a pass, can shoot it. There, there's so, there is so much to like from the physical profile. It's just putting it together sometimes. But tonight, uh, you want to see a rebound game uh, from Tyler Myers because let's not sugarcoat it. Like he was benched and oh the, yeah, the, the minutes were decreased. Hundred uh, percent. He played seventeen oh nine tonight, and now th- that's aided by obviously uh, the the lead. But 
the first period didn't play a lot. Power plays uh, playing a role in that, but six minutes and a half in the second period, uh, seven fifteen in the final frame, and you know seven fifteen. That's where he got his most. Yeah, in the final frame. So he was fantastic. Three hits tonight uh, and, and played a huge factor. Then the nice assist to PDG as well. He played with some confidence tonight. There wasn't a single Canuck this evening, Dick, that wasn't playing with confidence. And one thing we were talking about Myers before the game was looks like a player that obviously has been struggling and there are deficiencies in his game, but also playing with like the lowest confidence we've seen him play with. It's nice to see him have that type of game because it helps the team in a massive way. I think every player attempted a shot tonight. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. I think that's right. Like every single player was engaged, and not only defensively but offensively, getting pucks on net, generating, and it was pretty tilted in Vancouver's favor. Anything else you want to add here, Vic? Uh, no, just while I look at it, just I think JT and Pedersen took the least shots tonight. Huh, playmakers, yeah. Well, Pedersen can still stand to shoot more. I know he talks about it, but yeah, absolutely. But um, yes, I mean, it's, but he was still fantastic. Tonight. Nobody's complaining. He picked up two points. <laughs> it's it's completely oh, fine. Um. That line was absolutely dominant tonight. All right, we'll get to more of your text messages and more of your phone calls. But as mentioned, it's time to hear from the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Here is Rick Tockett after a five nothing, a resounding victory over the St. Louis Blues. I thought the first period was uh, you know one of our best first periods. Coming off of that long road trip, I thought uh, kind of set the tone. Um, even though it was one nothing, you know, St. Louis was hanging around. I thought we really dominated play and should have been a lot bigger. But uh, I like our resiliency, staying with it. Yeah, what about in the second period after a period like that where you dominate and you only get the one goal? Sometimes you can see momentum swing the other way. What was it about the way your team played that allowed you to maintain that momentum? Well, obviously, you know, the shorthand goal was a big one for us. Some good goals, but we, you know, I, I guess sometimes you got to be careful. We got a little loose. You know, we were. Give up some odd man rushes. Uh, we got to be careful of that. But I think we got off to a nice lead, and guys kind of got a little comfortable. But um, you know, those are, I just like that. Like you know, like the guy said to the guys, you know, we played well to set ourselves the first half, and then we got a little sloppy. We got to be careful because tomorrow we're playing a, a Ranger team that's uh, they're hot right now. How about Thatcher's performance tonight? Yeah, he was. He made, you know, he made some really, good, especially the second half. He made some great A's stuff that we. We'd rather not him have to make it, but he made some great saves for us tonight. How different is it to have a zero on the board for a goaltender? You guys are able to close out the shutout. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Thatcher and obviously Smitty have, you know, they've given us a chance to win every night. And, um, you know, Denver just looked real big in net. You know, uh, you know, he didn't have much action early, but then that's the hard. Those are the hardest games to play for a goalie. In the second 30, he got a lot of action. So I credit him for to stay, stay in there. You know, um, sometimes it's tough for a goalie when you get no action. All of a sudden, you're, you know, you get a bunch of great A's at you. Looks like there was a lot of back pats for Andre Kuzmenko after a couple good back checks in this game. What did you think about him defensively in this game? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, he's chipping away his game. Um, you know, he knows that um, the way we play, we got to back check and stuff. And I think uh, he's he's a lot better than he was last year. You know, and you know he's still he's still trying to find his game. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's good that he has to continue to do that. You've talked a lot about uh, skating forward when defending, especially in the neutral yeah. zone. Would you say that first period was kind of a perfect example of the team kind of executing on that? Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> you know, when you gap up and you skate forward to defend, it, it's it's a suffocating way. To, you know, you're, you're, and plus, I felt our quick ups when I when we did get the our D get uh, get uh, got the puck, 
we didn't take it back. Sometimes we have a habit of taking it back, and I felt we punched it back up. So when you skate forward and all of a sudden you turn, and you play faster. So um, I think it's probably the best we've played that style, skating forward, defending, and quick ups. Uh, this For me, this year was a, the, that first period for sure. Pedersen gets the two assists both on neutral zone plays where he's picking off pucks, he's making yeah. offensive plays. What have you seen from him in that two-way game and how it's contributing to him offensively? Yeah, he's a very methodical player. You know, like he's he's cerebral in the sense that he knows, you know, it's like chess. He knows where the, the you know, it's two two steps ahead. He knows that it's going to go D to D and he's probably going to hit the weak side. So I'm going to probably go here and then he plays possum a lot, right? He'll fake he's going to go somewhere and then he stops and he'll pick off pass. He's really good at that. Obviously the... The PK goal. I mean, he, he, he that's that's Petey, right? He picked it off, and obviously that sauce. That's a that's a tough pass too. He had to saucer that puck. That you know, that's a highly highly skilled play there, and obviously Millsy put it. It's a great it's a great goal. It was a, it was definitely. A, 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 I was still nervous for the game. It was a three nothing at the time, so it helped us uh, solidify what we wanted to do. Quinn Hughes has another outstanding game tonight. What kind of growth have you seen in his partnership with Phil Ronick that's helping him to perform at this level? His, his ability to walk the blue line. He's got a couple of moves he's worked on all, all the summer. It happened tonight. You know, he faked a guy, and then he, he got middle ice. And then I think he scored uh, scored one of those back angles earlier in the year, the same same play. But he's wor- he's working on work um, this summer about two plays of walking the blue line. And uh, listen, I used to be a right winger, and it's hard when you come out there and you don't know wh- where he's going. It's a, it's tough to defend forwards come out there. So I think that's his gift. And obviously, Phil slings it across. That's why I like that righty lefty thing where he slings it and he gives Quinn some time to penetrate. You know, the middle of the ice. How much of an added dynamic does that give your offense, not just at five on five, but on the power play too? When Quinn is that confident, jumping up and creating chances himself. Yeah, yeah. He just he attacks the middle. You know, if you look at analytics, things that come through the middle of the ice, especially in the in the ozone, you know, usually get that's where most of the chances happen. So he doesn't really hang around on the side very often. Anytime he can attack that middle, he does. And um, that's it. Just makes it life easier for our forwards too. What did you think of Niels Hoaglander's game tonight? Seemed yeah. like he was pretty effective getting under the skin of the Blues. Yeah, we had a lot of power plays. We had four, I guess, the first period. So he didn't get out there that much. Um, what I like about him, he sat the bench for a period of time, and to come out there and give us energy—that's what I'm impressed. That's hard, you know. Sit the bench, your legs are you know tight, and uh, for him to do that. Um, I was impressed the way he played the last two periods. You know, he started getting more ice time because the, the, the special teams wasn't as much. Feels like this year compared to last year, though it's a lot of the same guys, the power play is showing so much more movement. Is that something that you guys have worked on in practice and this this whole season? And, and what do you like about that from a coaching perspective? Yeah, I, you know, that's the big – it's not even a sell. I, I, I like a lot of movement on power play. You know, I think – Moving PD on the half wall, maybe, you know, they had a switch where Millsy comes up, takes his position. We had best play the point at one point. He got, he got a shot. We've had that look. Um, Kuzi going back door. I mean, we got a lot of different, you know, um, situations, but yeah, stagnant power plays don't, for me, it, it's easily to, it's easy to scout, right? If you're stagnant. And I think, uh, the moving power plays, obviously Edmonton's the barometer, right? 
McDavid's everywhere. Uh, Drysdale is everywhere. So I, 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 we have we have that potential to, to have other guys play different positions. There was so much talk in this market about how the start for this team needed to be um, really good. Um, you know, five wins in your first seven games. Yeah. You know, what can you say about the mental toughness of your team and overcoming adversity? No, it's it's great. I mean, obviously, you know, we all we all wanted it, uh, um, the start, the start, the start. I was just worried the guys get too tight, but I felt that they they were sticking with the process. Um, the, but the mental toughness is going to get harder. It's going to get even harder. So that's you know, if guys think it's not going to get hard, it's going to get really hard. So we got to embrace that it's going to get harder. Uh, thinking specifically of the first goal, yeah. uh, there was a play before that where you got a shot from the point. It looked like the Blues had retrieved the rebound, but then your pressure got the puck back. That seemed to happen a lot, especially in the first period. Um, how important are those puck retrievals in those situations to extend those offensive zone positions? Huge, huge. Um, <clears throat> puck retrievals is, is uh, anticipation and people being in the right spots. And I think, um, like I said, this, that first period is as good as I've seen our team when it comes to that. Um, when you guys take shots and guys are standing around there on their heels, you don't pick up those those loose pucks. It, that's when you're one and done. Um, and we talked about that. I thought early in the trip we were one and done out there, and I felt we were kept plays a lot. Not in every line. It wasn't just one line. Everybody everybody participated in that. But yeah, retrievals, five on five power players so big. You know, it just extends those all the time. Then the other team's tired. Uh, you keep them on the ice, um, and you know we've been working on that though in practice. I, I, I like I said, the players have bought in and they're doing a great job with it, and we're gonna keep doing it. After building the lead, you were able to spread the minutes around more in the yeah. second half of the game. How valuable is that with an eye to the Rangers tomorrow? Yeah, huge. I mean, you know, I think Huggy had, uh, I think he, you know, because of power plays, but he had, I think he played ten minutes the first period. I mean, so we uh, we we had to, to get it out of fourth gear there, um, and and. But I think he played 20, which is nice, right? He's five minutes less than he usually does. Phil, um, I think Millsy and, and Petey were down to, I think, 16, 17. So it's nice. You know, you're playing a, a skating team like the Rangers. We're going to need all hands on deck tomorrow. That is Canucks head coach Rick Tockett after a 5-0 win over the St. Louis Blues. It was a resounding victory. However, the coach... Uh, I wouldn't say he he sounded unimpressed, but he sounded like there was still more work to do. Which honestly, you know what? I actually I actually really like the attitude in general. I didn't hear it live because uh, it was Bick and Jamie doing the intermission. But the Canucks had the most dominant period they've had all season in terms of scoring chances. I mean, the Blues had nothing for the first eight minutes of the game. They had not even not even, not even a single sco- shot attempt. An attempt. It took them what like. 12 minutes to get a shot on goal, whatever it was. And JT was on with you guys after a one nothing lead. And he, 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 he didn't sound very happy. He was, he was a little salty. Frosty. Yeah. But, again, I, I think you could sense the frustration. It wasn't frosty at us. Um, well, I, mean, I hope not. <laughs> uh, no, he, he's usually quite jovial. He was probably listening to the show before that we weren't. <laughs> no. He's usually quite jovial <laughs> with us. Uh, but I, I, I could sense a frustration. Uh, we had this great period, four power plays, couldn't convert, and you know we we, we got a shortened, abridged version of JT Miller, and so people were texting in about it. It's like, oh, didn't seem too happy uh, with you guys, and it was just obvious that the, the, frustrated that they didn't come away with more than one and, goal after a period they dominated. And, and Rick talking to you mentioned that's like they could have been up earlier uh, in the game, and who was it that 
across the second period. It's JT Miller, and suddenly you look up, you're like, oh, 4 nothing. Yeah. All right, this is what the score should be. But it was interesting when he also mentioned, he's like, you know, I was a little nervous at 3 nothing. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> man, like, he, he, I like the, you know what, like, you can't be satisfied, obviously, and there's more you can do to improve. And Ian Cole mentioned this, you know, I think it was this morning, when talking to the media about, yeah, we felt good about our game in Nashville, but we went over the tape the other day, and... And I was like, yeah, there are a lot of mistakes we also made. There are a lot of things we can still clean up. So there's always stuff that you can work on and get better. And if you want to have that mentality and mature as a team, you have to have this feeling of not being satisfied, that it's not good enough. You can always be better in your victories. You can always do more. You can always find other ways to beat the team and, and be a tougher opponent. And that's the mentality you have to have over, over 82 games. And again, yes, it's early in the season, but you start seeing things like this, their style of play improving, starting to build an identity. They have consistency in, in how they're repeating plays and how they want to be. And then you have the type of mindset they're ex- exhibiting, at least right now. If they can maintain these things, Vic, that's how you can really take a step as a team. I think uh, Rick Tockett's a Jay-Z and uh, Swiss Beats fan. Just on to the next one, <laughs> On man. to the next one. It's like, freeze! Somebody bring me back some structure, please. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You got to clip that, Eddie. Freeze, bring me back some structure, please. Nice work by Bick Nazar. Man, might, that might be hard to beat some on staples, please. <laughs> Uh, the Canucks upped their game, and Bick is upping, upping his game as well. Uh, this text here, PDG and Reed should do a Nespresso TV commercial when he re-ups for his next contract. George, George Clooney, <laughs> Dan Riccio, and Phil DiGiuseppe. I'm here for it. Oh, I love it. I love to see it. Uh, this one says, will you guys be in shock if they win tomorrow? No, I would not be in shock. Like I think with the no, way they play, yeah. I wouldn't be in shock if they win tomorrow. I wouldn't even be surprised if they win tomorrow. No, yeah, no. You know, I, I don't know yet. I got to look at stuff still um, before I make a, a prediction in the game. Sass going to do like three rewatches of this one, and then just I got to watch the Rangers. Yeah. I got to watch the Rangers again yeah. too. Uh, although they, they, I watched their game against Nashville. It wasn't their best game against Nashville, but uh, they've had some good good moments this season already as well. All right, keep your thoughts coming into text inbox six fifty six fifty, and we'll get some more of those. Uh, let's go back to the phone board, 604-280-0650, and let's go to Langley where we have Andy on the line. Andy, what's going on? What do you have for us tonight? Hey, guys. 20-year uh, listener, fifth-time caller. I uh, just want to comment on a couple things here. Uh, I really like uh, Taka's dialogue. Uh, there's no – he's not too volatile – not too many highs, not too many lows. Uh, as much as I love Bruce, I feel like it was a little bit like that. Um, and uh, not sure if you guys have a chance to watch the Canucks practicing, but are they working on their neutral zone play, or is this just something where the stars are kind of aligning? Because all year long, uh, seven games in here, they've been playing super solid in the neutral zone. Um, and, yeah, I just want to see if maybe that's something you guys have seen them working on or if that's just kind of a – uh, you know, something that's kind of come together naturally. Uh, hey, you know what, Andy? Thanks so much for your phone call. Appreciate you keeping the tally and hope to hear from you again. Those are things they work on. Oftentimes, though, when it comes to that stuff, a lot of that's being done on video work. It's They do, because they don't really set up plays where they're replicating, breaking it up, but, you know, they play it in some scrimmages, but it's more about having some drills. Where they do a lot of that work and, and it's instructional is on video. And it is absolutely something they work on and they've been discussing. They do it on ice a little bit, but that's a lot of the stuff that they do when they sit down, go over to tape, and look over it and, and really look at 
how they can take advantage of those situations. And oftentimes it's also looking at your previous games in situations where you didn't do it, where you could have done it, and that's how you start getting a lot better at it. But it's a good observation because they have certainly been working on it. As far as the contrast between Tockett and Bruce as well, we had this text earlier from Daniel from North Van. Uh, Bruce, there it is in the past. What do we chant now? How about drop it like it's hot into talk it like it's hot? Uh, <laughs> we'll take your submissions. Talk it like it's hot. Right. 650. So if you if you got a creative idea, Daniel from North Van is trying to crowdsource a new Rick Tockett chant. Yeah. <laughs> Well, hey man, listen. The the guys, uh, the people showed it in the building that they can do a chant for the head coach. Are, are they feeling the vibes with Rick Tockett? Like Tockett's not as you know charismatic as uh, Bruce Boudreaux is, mm-hmm. right? And and like this, you know, one of the most lovable people in hockey is how Bruce Boudreaux was known, and the fans took a huge liking to him. Uh, Rick Tockett doesn't quite have that demeanor about him, a bit more serious, but certainly a level of professionalism that he's brought to the organization and the team. Well, they're taken to it, especially early in the year, and now another five nothing victory over the St. Louis Blues, their third win in a row. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. We'll take your phone calls, and we're here from Canucks players. Plus, Ian McIntyre will join us, and we'll dig into what big, how much of a difference you're seeing when a player like Philip Peronix on the ice. And an observation Bick made about dedication and a player who, even when you're up five, nothing's willing to sacrifice. We'll get into that and more as the Canucks Central post game show rolls on after a five nothing win over the Blues on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Freeze. Somebody bring me back some structure, please. (laughs) (laughs) And now here's a shorthanded breakaway. JT Miller in on goal. Left wing to the back end. He scores! Tied for the league lead with five shorthanded goals last year. He's got his first this season. And the Canucks have opened up a 4-0 lead. And the power kill is back. Great work. Fast Eddie Gregory. Thick Nazar. We're so Sports 650 presentation. We're so unserious. But well done, Eddie. That's unreal. Uh, that is fantastic. That is fantastic. Uh, and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Satyar Shaw with Big Nazar. Uh, we'll get to some of your text messages coming up here. 650, 650. We'll get the player audio as well. Um, and I see a lot of love coming in. It's one of those nights where you can literally, like, you, this is a game, Big. Like, you literally point to any name on this on this game sheet and say something positive. Throw about a dart it. at the game sheet. Let's see. Mark Friedman. Yeah. Even Mark Friedman. It, it, Somebody texted in and said, give Mark Friedman his love. I'm, let's see if I can find the name for that person. Uh, yeah, Pete, and, Pete from Calgary calling out bottom six guys. Even Bavillier was buzzing tonight. Suter was good in the face-off circle. Friedman had a nice controlled save on a potential breakaway. Strong night. That's Pete from Calgary. It really showcases uh, the, the depth today that they were able to, to use everyone. Uh, it's 1531 for Mark Friedman. 
uh, reliable 1531 as well. And, and just to quickly update the minutes here uh, for the, the, the 60 minutes, because it's been a topic of yeah. conversation this week. Ian Cole was the high man at 2054, Queen Hughes 2041, uh, then Susie at 1932, Hronick 1850, and Myers at 1709, then Friedman rounding out at 1531. But uh, reliable minutes, again, from Mark Friedman uh, all throughout the evening, all coming by way of even strength and a couple of shot attempts. And you know, w- w- when you're playing downhill hockey like they were tonight, uh, Mark Friedman certainly contributed. Yeah, he, he certainly did and uh, helped the team stabilize things on the back end. And in general, though, tonight, like defensively, they were strong. I know the coach bemoaned a few chances they gave up. Um, you know, talk about Demko being great. I thought Demko was good, made a few big saves, of course, right? That You know, they had a couple going their way, but I didn't think it was a lot of chances the Blues had. Just in the third period, like I guess the third period was their most. And they had active nothing period. in the first. I, yeah. mean, I don't know if they had anything in the second. Outside the third, of maybe one. No, sorry, the first was a, just an amazing period of hockey to watch. Dick, they had three shot attempts. Yeah, and five on five attempts. Attempts. Yeah. Now, mind you, everyone went on goal. I believe. Yeah, but like two of them went on goal. I think. Yeah. Yeah, two of them went on goal uh, at five on five. They have four shot attempts in total. Four, four, in the first period. It's unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Yeah, it just. But yeah, a, a couple of chances. Uh, one coming um, in, in the third period, like the the Shen had a breakaway. It was a big save on Oscar Sunkfist as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a, a couple here and there, but uh, you know, it couldn't be too easy a night for Thatcher Demko. Earned a shutout. No, he certainly did. Uh, Marcus and Gibson's Friedman skates well. He does. He, you know, I thought Ian Cole again. Uh, I think he made. He had a really good. I mean, he, he's always good, like we mentioned. But he made a good comment too about Friedman and said, you know, it's seldom you see guys in the NHL to not have good qualities, but he can do everything. Like you know, well, he said he can do everything well, and I think you can even say maybe adequately. And I think that's a positive. I think that's why the team wanted to add him to the mix. It's not that he's going to be this, you know top four presence or anything, but he plays well enough and can hang well enough that he's not going to hurt you. And if anything, on this blue line with the you know bar being low in terms of that number six player, he stepped in and looked better than anything we've seen so far on the right side. Uh, and plenty of love still coming in for uh, Tyler Myers as well. See, you have cut fans. Yeah. Vocal and fair at the same time. Uh, Kevin from Surrey. Tyler Myers had another good game. He deserves some love. And Andy from Langley. Uh, Tyler Myers quickly becoming the John Cena of the uh, Canucks. And <laughs> by that, I mean he's polarizing. Hate him sometimes, but love him sometimes too. Yeah. He can be. Now, it's usually a more of a hate relationship than a love relationship. However, tonight, you know, maybe it's sided more towards the love. Hussein from Coquitlam. Uh, Suter has not been getting enough love. He's been playing great in his own zone. He's great IQ, soft hands, deceptively, fa- deceptively fast. I will say it's beyond me how he doesn't have a point yet, but it's nice to see this team have a true 3C, which is something they've been missing for years. Hussein from Coquitlam. And yeah, having that third line center, I think he's I right. To argue Teddy Bluger's is the true third line center. I was, you know, we're going to get to that. Teddy Bluger, he, I think, and we'll get to McCabe as well. Did I say Bluger's? 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 Yeah, yeah. I, I always get, because it's. Balsers or Bluger's? No, because it's Theodore's Bluger. Theodore's Bluger. I always yes. put the S on there. Because, yeah, I mean, he's, he's technically Latvian, right? Well, that has nothing to do with me getting his last name wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, maybe it does. Use the Theodores. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's in my head, oh, yeah. but it's like it's, it's in your head. I screwed up. Well, you did. I was trying to help you out. Bluger. Bluger. To me, I, I think like that. Again, in my head, the profile of a third line center is like the the, the true shutdown kind of guy. Suter's doing a great job. 
Um, I, I really want to see him on a wing with Garland and, and Bluger in the middle. Ooh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That gives you an actual third line. And then Lafferty can still stay. Here's the, the interesting conversation. As like, at some point, Bluger's going to come back. And yeah. He's clearly going to play. Who's coming out right now? Man, I mean, Niels Hoaglander is getting love. Um, this one says, every shift matters to this team. I liked Hoaglander tonight. Kid is trying to make the most out of his limited ice time, and he did. I, I think it'd be unfair given he scored the other game. Mm-hmm. Jake and Kamloops, Demko uh, in the cage, puts all of St. Louis in a rage. Complete game, <laughs> loving the play of Hoaglander. I like that, too. Some play on words and, and rhyming. But loving the play of Hoaglander. Hoaglander's getting a lot of love. I think it would be unfair for Hoaglander to come out. Mm-hmm. Now, mind Even, you, like we're, we're, we're could be four or five games. For yes, this happens. yes, exactly. We're not talking about tomorrow. Yeah. Bluger, I mean, okay, so Bluger hasn't skated yet, and the coach made it seem like he needs a number of skates before he plays. So we're talking about at this rate, I'm not expecting him to play on Tuesday, mm-hmm. let, alone, let alone tomorrow. And at this point, you probably imagine he doesn't play in San Jose. So probably when they come back after that, maybe next Saturday against Dallas, I believe it's so like, three exactly. games. Yeah, so a lot can change, obviously. But as of tonight, like I, I don't see how you take Nils Hoglan out of the lineup. So I, I think it's between uh, Bovillier and probably Joshua. Now, Bavillier played 15 minutes. Hoaglander mm-hmm. played 11. And consistently, Bavillier is getting more ice time than Hoaglander. If I had to predict, I, I would still predict Hoaglander when in a few games happen. Not because, I, like I said, not because I want to take him out at this point. More because I just look at the minutes and how the coaches may be seeing these things. But Bavillier is not giving enough of bottom line. Mm-hmm. Yet tonight, he was playing his part. Yeah, he was aggressive I, in the forecheck. He was yeah. turning pucks over. He was good defensively, using his speed, winning, winning battles along the boards. It was hard. To, again, there was nobody you could criticize for a performance tonight. But when they're playing well, it just makes the decisions difficult. This you is know what? Like, great. This is, great. Yeah. Fantastic. Give yeah. the coach tough decisions. I'd love to have these types of conversations of like, hey, they're playing well. What, what do you see? And what role do they fit? And like Joshua's playing uh, on the penalty kill with 54 seconds tonight, but he does feature a bit on the penalty kill. And that's a role. Now, Bluger would, would step in, obviously, into a penalty-killing role as well. But it's 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 tough right now. And I, I thought Dakota Joshua played well tonight. Yeah, uh, he was great. There was a shift in the first period, I think, uh, when he's, um, you know, taking on multiple bodies and working through contact, holding players off, gets that puck to the point. And in a night when... And especially when it was a point of focus for Rick Tockett of creating longer zone time and yeah. cycling and, and playing that way, you needed a, a rugged shift. And Dakota Joshua was there to, again, not get a shot on goal or not, and, and not get a point, but are you contributing to the style of play that they want? And, and in, in the first period, certainly was doing that. Oh, he was physical. And if we talk, want to talk about creating turnovers, and he had a great play in the neutral zone again where he uh, he came or he knocked a puck off the guy's stick, knocked it off the boards, grabbed it, came to the other side, and he just missed the net on his shot. I mean, it was a great play, created a high-danger scoring chance for himself, and was physical as well. And we were critical. We were critical of his play earlier this season for good reason. And even the coach wasn't happy with how he showed up to training camp, not in the type of shape they had hoped. Not that he was in bad shape, but not at the level they had hoped to see from him. And he's really making up for it. And a couple of really good games for him, uh, especially tonight. Um, there's a lot here on the text inbox. Let's try to hit a couple more. Jack from, from Australia. How do you guys explain the complete turnaround from this team? No more cheap giveaways. No more lazy changes. No more weak pe- penalty goals against. So nice seeing a competitive team. I think that word comes down to the competitiveness, mm-hmm. the intensity. And 
I, I mean, you don't want to say like they weren't dedicated. Well, we I don't sat think here. Like, there's obvious talent. They, yeah, we always we, give you give the talent a chance. Mm-hmm. Give yourself a chance. Give yourself a chance to show your talent. And it hadn't materialized. And you know, some of the instability that that takes away that competitive edge was created by the organization. Yeah. And you know, does it hamper your motivation? Yeah, imagine a little bit. And it 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 manifested in some brutal stretches of play, but. You got to give them credit for the level of focus that they've shown so far through seven games. Because if they had lost in Nashville, I don't know if the public pressure would have been there. Because you said, "Hey, end of a road trip, you've done well, you move on." You lose tonight, don't think the pressure would have been there. Come back home and all that sort of stuff. And they were challenged to be professional. They came out, came out of it eight goals for two yeah. against. That to me, like that to me, is more of a mentality thing. I, there's obviously you know improvements and Quinn Hughes is better on the ice and JT Miller he's got all these points but to me it's more about the 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 mental edge that they've shown so far through these seven games and now it matches a certain talent base that you know eight nine guys have that can drive you forward but when when those guys are driving suddenly all the the depth players suddenly look a little bit better because now they got energy hey our, our leaders are leading right now so we can do this. And Rick Tockett has dumped a bunch of praise on his leadership group so far to begin the year. Well, and and you're right. And I think the way I've been trying to judge the team, and tonight was one of those games where it came together like the Nashville game, but I wasn't so much concerned with what the numbers were saying. It was more about what you mentioned. Do you have the right mindset? And on the ice, are you committed to doing the right things? And the only game I'd say, Vic, they weren't committed to doing the right things was the game in Philly. Because mm-hmm. even against Edmonton, and we rewatched the game, and we talked about it as well, and it was like, yeah, there were a lot of moments where Edmonton was like clearly the better team. But the Canucks weren't falling apart. They were actually able to hold the fort, and they, didn't give, they, they, they did a good job in defending and boxing out and giving themselves a chance to, to survive and dismiss to make enough saves. And same thing in Tampa. And then... That's pretty much it. It's just that game against the Flyers mm-hmm. where they didn't have it at all. And I think when you look at it and say, well, you know, six out of seven games, you brought in, you had a proper process, and you were committed to doing the right things. That, to me, is more telling than what the numbers say. Because if you do those things with the talent that you have, all that stuff's going to come along. Those numbers and, and what it looks like in terms of underlying metrics, it's already looking better after these two games. But you got to give it some time. Just do these right things, and that's all going to come along. 650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Trying to play a little catch-up with all the texts that we're getting. Still send in yours. Uh, This one, uh, Gonchar and Foot not getting enough credit. There's a lot of texts coming in tonight, Seth, of this person is not getting enough credit. I love it. An overwhelming amount. So we'll try to get to as many as we can. Uh, Little details in the D zone, body positioning, stick and passing lanes, uh, quick plays to exit the zone, or massive reasons for the good start. Uh, I have to believe that is the tutelage from Gonchar and Foot, unsigned text. Yeah, there was a couple of plays. um, I think it was Mikheyev and Foot. There was uh, some pressure on uh, Friedman, who kind of slid it over into the corner to Mikheyev. And it was just above the goal line, and McCabe just kind of quickly slid past it right in front of Thatcher Demko mm-hmm. to the other corner. And there's Ian Cole who pushed from behind the goal line in front of the goal line. Says so like, "Hey, this is where the pass is going to be." And it's not as if, I, I don't think McCabe even looked. It was just I'm pretty sure my demon's going to be there, and Ian Cole was there. It's stuff like that that you notice. Okay, like they're they're gelling 
and they're trusting their teammates. It's like, this is where I need him to be, and he's going to be there. This is the way the play unfolded. This is where he needs to go. And you see players linking up like that. That's the sort of encouraging stuff that um, as in the textures mentioning here. No, hundred percent. And I mean, and on the de- on the defense to begin with, and the guy that I was kind of teasing coming out of the break, and we should get to it now here, Philip Hironik. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about that dedication and where it shows in certain moments, but also just the level of quality that he has, there are so many plays tonight where he's able to evade pressure. You know, Quinn, we know how incredible he is, but he can do some similar things in that. And there's a level of calmness in his game, which is so important in pressure situations. You know how the coach talks about meet pressure with pressure? That's what he did in a number of different circumstances. Even Bick, when somebody makes a mistake or he makes a mistake, the recoveries and just how he's willing to, in a 5 nothing game, Bick, put his body on the line. Yeah, his his recovery uh, commitment is is really strong. Like the, he he did have a couple of passes that were a bit stray, but who's the first one there to try to correct it? It is Philip Pronick. and and the play I referenced earlier, and it, it's it's one that stands out to me. Um, you know, five nothing game. Like this thing's over. Five minutes to go. Ian Cole has a bit of a giveaway, and who's the first one to jump into the slot to try to break up the potential scoring chance? It's Philip Pronick. Yeah, sliding on the ice, stick on the ice, gets a. A stick on it, uh, even as he's sliding. And then later on in the shift, another loose puck. Who's the first one there? It's Philip Pronick. And I've referenced this play because it lives in my mind rent-free so many times for seasons now. <laughs> Remember that 8-6 game in Pittsburgh? Yeah. You know, three seconds to go of Guinea Malkin putting in an empty netter and just fighting through contact. No reason. It's like, it's over, Evgeny. And there he is just, like, battling, gets his goal. And it's, it's like, I, I was in awe. I was like, man, like. This guy's won so many Stanley Cups. He's done so much. And here's this regular season game in November against an out-of-conference opponent on home ice. You just got to drop the puck and game's over. And there he is battling. And and tonight, it's not the same scale, but it was one of those things I saw. I was like, 5 nothing game? When you can kind of let up? Philip Ronick wasn't. And the, the fact that he's a new guy doing that, to me, really stands out. You know what? I, I think it's it's such a great point, and I think it's it's such a great example towards what it takes, the level of commitment it takes, and seriousness it takes to be a good hockey team. And it's moments like that too, like you said, the, the Malkin play. I think it, it's it's so emblematic of what a great player, what a great player he has been. Not just great in terms of like great as an all time great. And if you want to even be close to that, every single moment you're out on the ice, you're fighting. You know, you, you, it's, it's, it's your chance, even if it's a bad season, it's your chance to make sure that your reputation's not going to be ruined. Look, we sat here on the home opener night, right? 8-1 win. And we, t- we talked to Quinn Hughes in the postgame show. And what play did he reference? 40 seconds to go, Noah Jolson blocking a shot. Yeah. That's the, the sort mi- of stuff, yeah. It's the mindset it's, you talk about again, right? I, I think you need those markers over the course of a season to say, Oh, right, this guy did this. I got to go do it. Yeah. News Hoaglander draws a penalty. They could have just said, hey, let's let the depth guys go out there and go get their power play up 5 nothing." And JT Miller jumps in there. So it's like, no, screw that. I'm going to go try to challenge Tori Krug because that's a BS play. And a little scruffle starts. And somehow Nils Hogan gets a penalty out of all that. <laughs> but nevertheless, it, yeah. it would have been easy in 5 nothing, four minutes to go, say, ah, you know, we, we don't really need to, need to defend this guy right now. Yeah, so you don't need to worry about it. But no, it's like you're, you're sticking up for your teammates. 
as long as you're out on the ice, you're representing yourself and the team. And if you take it like that and would have that type of seriousness, well, you, again, you give yourself a real chance. And I think that's what this team is doing right now. What's going on? Uh, I mentioned uh, people are, are texting about not getting enough credit. Sats are not getting enough credit. <laughs> TV and radio double threat. He's the next triple threat. Uh, no, next is a triple threat coming up. We'll get we'll get a real triple threat. Ian McIntyre is going to join us uh, coming up in a few minutes' time. Always appreciate the love. Um, I will say though too, I don't want to talk about Ilya Mikheyev because we teased that as well. I want Hang to get on. that. Can we quickly discuss something about uh, Hronik? You want to do? Oh yeah, sure. Because. Someone's texting in here. What do you guys think about keeping Hironic and, and Quinn together? People keep talking about how they have to break them up, and the top four isn't great, but how can you break them up when they're, when they're playing this good? I don't think you break them up as long as it's working. I just That's the thing. It's, it feels like you're trying to solve problems when you have something working. Yeah. I mean, maybe you have to change it at some point. And, and I get it. Like It's one of those things maybe you're thinking. It's like, do you want to wait until it falls apart, and then you have to change but it? It's like, well... I, I want to race till American Thanksgiving and just say... This is our our best. Like when we are going to be at our best, and we need to do this, yeah. it's going to be Hughes and Ronick together. Mm-hmm. And until American Thanksgiving, I'm okay with them playing together. Just bank the points, and then once you look back and say, "Hey, in 21 games, we got 25 points, 26 points, whatever it is," and then now you can start to tinker and say, "We we've got our base," and once we establish that, then we'll start working on the other thing on everything else. But Make no mistake, the start is still important. No, it's absolutely important. I mean, it's critical for them for them to be able to be able to make the postseason. And you know what? I, we'll hit some of this on the other side because I wanted to talk about Mikheyev and, and what it kind of means in terms of the roster and, and just the presence that he has on the ice. We'll get to more of your text messages. And I do also want to talk about on the other side before we get to IMAC, and we'll hear some Canucks audio as well. The Canucks, with how they handled their deployment tonight, really give themselves a chance to be as fresh as possible against mm-hmm. the New York Rangers. We'll break that down. Like this one here says, you guys notice they split up Hughes and Hronik down the stretch? Yeah, they did that. That and a few other things which we'll discuss and we'll hear from Canucks players. It's Satyar Shaw with Vic Nazar after a 5-0 Canucks victory over the Blues. We'll have Ian McIntyre join us as well. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox 650-650 and we'll be back right here on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Big opinions and good bets. It's the People Show with Bick Nazar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Hoaglander off the bench. Wins a battle on the forecheck. Gets it to Lafferty. Cutting into the slot. Wanted to deke to the backhand, but the puck rolled off his stick. Then Hughes mishandles it. Hironic dives at his own line, but Braden Shen's got a breakaway. In on goal to the forehand. Robbed by Demko with the right pad. Thatcher Demko outweighs Braden Shen, who tried to beat him with the shot off the left wing. Thatcher Demko pitched a sh- pitches a shutout for the Vancouver Canucks 5-0 victory over the St. Louis Blues. Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 
and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. Quinn Hughes, two goals on the evening. Phil Giuseppe scored. JT Miller and Ilya Mikheyev in the third period made it 5 nothing. Multi-point game for a number of players, including Elias Pettersson, who had two points. And uh, we are going to get to Elias Pettersson's comments post-game coming up in just a moment's time. But Bick is cackling and laughing over what's being said in the text inbox. Uh, look, I, I joke that uh, a lot of texts are coming in saying, like, this guy's not getting enough credit. Uh, unsigned text here. Jim Benning's not getting enough credit, LOL. <laughs> All right, man. Oh, man. Uh, you guys are great. I, I saw a text earlier. Let me see if I can find it. Um, and I think it says something about uh, Benning drafted the talent and Alvin brought the structure. Or something along those lines. So, uh, you know, okay. hey, people got their hey, jokes in the comments. Facts only, like you did draft them. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. Uh, I love how the boys looked and uh, laser focused. Demko dialed in from Baked and Barriere. Uh, I don't know if it's uh, – well, we read that one from Brandon Vancouver. Uh, big shout-out to Jim Rutherford and his crew. Uh, Stanley Cup guys, he, he knows what it takes. Uh, that's an unsigned text coming into the inbox. Uh, and, and, look, sometimes there are still complaints in a 5 nothing win here. Or, or just suggestions. Yeah. Um, this one, Jay and Poco, Satin Bick, please use, use your reach of the show to get the Canucks goal song changed. If this team is going to score this much, there needs to be a better song. Well, somebody else texted in and said, Simple Minds isn't so bad after all. <laughs> after, you know, they're, they're having success and they're winning. So, I mean, I, do you mess with a winning thing? I mean, I, I'm pro entertainment. Yeah, I, sure. I, 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 I came into this year and I was like, ah, I wouldn't mind a refresher. Yeah, I was hoping. I, I don't have a good suggestion. No, that's, that's the problem. Actually, I do. What is it? Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if someone told me this or it's been used somewhere else, but uh, the one that's stuck in my head is My Chemical Romance. Nah, 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 nah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's high energy. That could be good. That could be good. It's my early suggestion. All right. All right. I don't mind it. Uh, this one says, let's give some credit to Alvin. Everything he's done so, <laughs> so far has worked. Talkin' to Smith for Pearson, Hronik, Lafferty, JT over Horvat. So, you know, everyone's getting credit. The love, the bouquets are being thrown on our text inbox, 650-650. All right. I mentioned Ilya Mikheyev. And ever since Mikheyev has come back, the Canucks have played their best games. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Florida game was, you know, um, it wasn't their best game. They have but not they had lost in the Ilya Mikheyev era. This they, had, they haven't. But I think what he also does, he was he's such an important board piece, I think, because once he came back in, it throws Garland down to the third line. All of a sudden, him and Suter, they can create more zone time. So now you have more of a push coming in, despite them not scoring, but just being more competent out there and, and being able to contest the opponent. Like, and I think he's taken the Patterson line to another level with his presence, his speed. And even though we haven't seen his top speed yet, I'd say, but how he's how he's such a north-south player, so effective in winning battles. And his movement, Bick, off the puck. And I don't know, man. Like I, Every time I watch Ilya McKeever, I come away thinking, like, this guy's a core player. That's how I feel when I watch this guy play. And and the goal even um, it, it wasn't you know classic tic tac toe but think how quick those three passes were Kuzmenko nice little hook pass to Pedersen slides in Mikheyev in with speed all of a sudden uh, you know quick decisions and, and and quick execution yeah you know those three have chemistry and it, it's it's funny it's like the, the the guys two wingers traits pair so well with Elias Pedersen yeah. McKay has got the, the defensive smarts and 
forechecking ability, well, that you know, Pedersen's so fantastic at that. And then you get the goal scorer, and you need someone to set him up. Well, Pedersen's so great at that. And it's just, you know, because Manko's obviously mentioned it so much of how he likes playing with Mikheyev, and it just seems like those two guys have chemistry as well. They certainly do. And on the topic of Elias Pedersen, we're going to play his audio coming up in just a second here tonight. But he had two assists this evening. He's now up to 12 points in, in seven games on the season. And I'd say that we haven't even seen the best version of Elias Pettersson yet this year. And I think that's very impressive. Uh, and here he is post-game uh, talking about winning the game, but also feeling like they had a little bit of slippage in their play. We did a good game, a little loose, second half of the game, but we, um, yeah, happy with the win. How do you follow that up with back-to-backs? Now it's your first back-to-backs of the season for you guys. What are the message now? What's the message for you guys moving into tomorrow? I mean, it, it starts right away. Uh, recovery, eat a lot, uh, hydrate, uh, make sure to prepare ourselves as much as possible for tomorrow. Uh, Rangers are, have been playing good, so um, yeah, tough game tomorrow. On the power play, there's been a lot of movement, kind of opening up different shooting lanes for a lot of guys. Like, it's not the same spot. How nice is that for, I guess, everybody to be shooting from every spot on the ice? It's good. I think we're... Um, I mean, all five guys in the unit, we feel dangerous when we get the puck and everybody can score. So we, uh, today was a little, little sloppy, um, but it's something we, we will look at video at and be better. You said at the start of the season that Quinn's scoring now because of the C on his chest. Do yeah. pretty confident about that? Yeah, I don't know if it's, yeah, it must be something because he wasn't scoring like that last year. So good luck, uh, it's good luck for him. What about the start tonight, Elias? You guys draw four penalties early and seem to be ready to go tonight. That's been such a big thing to be ready to play. What about tonight? Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, you're right on. We talked about being ready to play and uh, keep this going. Um, we play good when we work hard, and we need to be humble and uh, and do that for every game. You try to keep it all in perspective, but you've had two great showings on home ice to start the season. I mean, is it the belief system? Is it the buy-in? What is it? Um, I think a little bit of everything, buy-in, uh, sticking to our game plan. Everybody's doing their job when they're out there. Um, and we keep a high standard. Um, so, um, yeah, keep this up uh, with hard work and be ready for tomorrow. How did you feel about that first period? Obviously, you guys came out so strong and maybe weren't rewarded for some of the chances you created, but you know you got to feel good about a start like that, I would imagine. Definitely. Uh, we talked about it uh, coming out hard. Uh, we knew they had a back-to-back, so take advantage of that, and I think we did. Uh, yeah, and then overall, I think we played good in the second half as well. You see five goals and obviously zero against, and that's the big thing, but mm-hmm. like, what's a little thing that you liked from the team tonight? Um, Hogs almost getting in a fight. That was pretty, <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty fun. Yeah, I'll take that. Game. Maybe next game, yeah. <laughs> uh, that is Elias Pettersson after a two-point performance tonight, a 5 nothing victory. And, uh, Didn't realize uh, Pettersson listens to the post-game show with uh, Jokes Per 60. Yeah, Jokes Per 60. I mean, hey, everyone's a big fan of the show. Yeah. You know, I mean... Uh, Ian Cole himself said he listened to the show. Uh, you know, yeah, big fan. Of, yeah, <laughs> I think that's a running joke. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the Hoaglander thing, I mean, those are the types of things that, you know, the team loves. You know, we talked to Yannick today, and he was mentioning the backup goaltender. And usually the backup goalie is, like, this great guy as well. And people not only love for him to win because it helps the team, but they're genuinely happy when a guy like that does it. And, you know, when, when there are certain players that are role players or guys that step out of their comfort zone and, and, and sometimes do things, like, it, 
like guys really get a kick out of it and it rallies them. And Hoaglander played, you know, the coach said, I've heard he's a buzzsaw. This was like a buzzsaw type performance from him. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and just throughout the whole game, that you know, the pass to Lafferty in the first period to me was just fantastic because he, he takes a nice pass from Quinn and um, Rick Tockett even mentioned, hey, our quick ups yes. uh, were, were something that were very good. Takes his pass from Quinn, pulls up in the neutral zone and just kind of feathers it into space. Mm-hmm. Here comes Lafferty screaming from the slot in his own zone and just skates into it. And, you know, he had so much speed. It was easy for him to just go right around Krug and then just that little subtle f- uh, shot fake gets Biddington down, and it was just too tight of an angle. Banks is off the near post, but you know, that all starts from Hoaglander being in the right spot, and mm-hmm. that pass was just so deft, and um, again, did, did great work on Queen Hughes' goal as well, and it, it, it's the night, um, you know, the, the power plays kind of took up that the time uh, in the first period, and, and probably that 11 minutes, probably not reflective of how much maybe Rick Tocca wanted to play him, but it's the type of night that earns you more minutes. Yeah, I mean, it certainly does, right? And uh, I think we'll see, though, how much they play, especially tomorrow. But one thing I was kind of mentioning, too, and, you know, Hironic and Hughes, they did get split up a little bit, but their minutes were really down tonight. We mentioned this earlier, but let's kind of run through it here real quick. Hironic played under 19, 1850. Quinn Hughes played 20 minutes and 41 seconds. And then their forwards... All their minutes were down. JT played under 18. You know, Pedersen had 18.57. Myers played bigger minutes. McCabe only only 13.45. They had Kuzmenko at 13.34. Besser at 16 minutes. Um, So you start looking at guys that usually log bigger minutes for this team. They all had their minutes reduced. This should give them a chance tomorrow to have a bit more juice in the tank. So if you're looking to set set yourself up and take advantage of having a 5-0 lead and the coaching staff's been getting credit on our text inbox, the coaches did a very good job when you had the 5-0 lead to really limit the ice time for your guys and use that opportunity to have them as fresh as possible for tomorrow. So when you're playing the Rangers and you had the minutes reduced like this, not to say there should be no excuses. It is a back-to-back. But your reduces are limited. Your excuses are limited and reduced because you're playing at home and you didn't have the toughest night in terms of minutes for your stars. You, you've given yourself the best opportunity to try to uh, capitalize on, on a tough spot here uh, going back-to-back. And as Elias Pedersen put it, uh, just got to recover and eat a bunch. And in the spirit of uh, uh, giving credit where it's due, uh, this text, Bick isn't getting enough credit for that MCR shout, My Chemical <laughs> Romance. Everyone's getting credit. I, I'm sure we all have a goal song in our head. We're like, ah, oh, that one would be pretty cool. Yeah, it could be cool. It's uh, one that's always been in my head. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't mind it. I don't know if I have one. I'll think about it. Maybe next game I'll, I'll mention it. Spiritual Advisor, Hughes over under 20 goals this year. Oh, 20? Um, I'll take the under. I mean, 20 is a lot. Uh, I mean, it's 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 three. Right now, yeah. I mean, it was like six. Like I said before the season, if he gets over ten, that's a huge win. Oh, massive! If he can get twelve to fifteen, we're talking about he can get himself into Norris discussion. Mm-hmm. If you're good defensively, and he's going to be a player who's going to have seventy plus points potentially, which I would kind of put it at his pace. I mean, he's, he's on pace to be a point per game guy, but I'm saying, yeah, probably seventy he could get to. Right? If he gets there, has twelve goals to fifteen. I think all of a sudden he can, you know, be that type of Norris contender. Uh, really quickly before we go back some audio here, um, I've seen this text coming in a bunch today talking about plus eighteen goal differential. 
Uh, I believe it's plus 13. 13, yeah. They're plus, plus 18. It's plus 13. Uh, but we've had multiple texts uh, coming that they're 18 goal differential, and it's 13. No, it's plus 13. Clear that up for people. Yes, yes. Uh, you know what? We were going to get to uh, audio, Canucks audio, more audio, but we're not going to do that because we have our guy. The man. The just man. He, he just walked in. We call him the triple threat, and if we get extra minutes with him, we will happily take it. We call him the triple threat for a reason. You watch him on TV. You hear him on radio, you read him on digital. He is Ian McIntyre. I can provide audio. <laughs> so can Jimi Hendrix. Hey, what about this for the goal song? Uh, Ian would love it. There must be some kind of way out of or entry. Yeah, it could be an entry. Third period entry. It'd be good to be as good at something as Jimi Hendrix was at guitar. Canucks are pretty good at hockey well, right now. That first period, uh, I wouldn't say it was Jimi Hendrix-level greatness, but it was maybe the greatest thing we've seen from this team to start the season. Probably Eric Clapton-level <laughs> greatness on the guitar. <laughs> oh, not bad. Yeah, it was, I mean, 35-4 to four, That that were the shot attempts. That's just absurd in the National mm-hmm. Hockey League. No matter yeah. no matter which two teams are playing, that somebody would attempt 35 shots and the other team would attempt four. Now, granted, uh, the power plays had something to yes. do with that, but the power plays were really a function of how the game was being played mm-hmm. and, and the amount of pressure that the Canucks put the blues under uh i was i was really impressed with with this and not because of the 35 to 4 i was impressed by this because and tyler myers backed me up on this after the game when i talked to him you know there are times in the past three years where on occasion we'd see we'd see a pretty encouraging performance Mm -hmm. by vancouver um on the road and then they'd come home, and it was like somewhere along the way, uh, Air Canada lost half of the Canucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it was like, what happened to the team? Like, where is that team we just saw on the road? They actually and, brought and, a huggy bear and not Quinn Hughes with them? Yeah. yeah, something like that. But leave the comedy to me, Sal. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Know your limits. Stay Play within, within it. <laughs> I should know that, actually. <laughs> Tonight, when there could have been, for a variety of reasons, there could have been a lag, a wavering of focus, yeah. even just fatigue, you know, because they were on the road a long time, or at the very least, just a loss of momentum. Like, you know, take them a few shifts to get back into the game, to get their legs going again. And instead, they played the best period that they've played probably in years. I mean, there's, it's been a pretty low bar, but do you remember them dominating that anybody thoroughly? like they did? I know it was only one nothing. It could have been five. I mean, they, they, gave up, they gave up three shot attempts at five on five, to four in total. And I, I don't think there was even a scoring chance. No, I can't think of a Lewis. single scoring chance. I mean, I, I remember taking a note... A uh, few minutes into the into the second period, and I think it was Butchnevich, uh had a shot from the right wing circle where he got half a step. Mm-hmm. But it was you know unscreened thirty mm-hmm. footer that 
that Demko is going to save 19 times out of out of 20. But I wrote it down because that's the first time it looked like, oh, maybe St. Louis right. might score or at least trouble the Vancouver netminder. Um, I, I just was really impressed by, to use one of Tockett's terms, the professionalism the Canucks showed in getting ready for this game. In the same way they got they got ready for that road trip finale uh, Tuesday in Nashville, when also for a variety of reasons, road fatigue, mm-hmm. you're you. It's human nature to start to look ahead. You want to go home. The guys have been on the road for two weeks. There were a lot of reasons they might not have been ready for that game, and instead they played their most complete game of the season in Nashville, allowing 18 shots. Mm-hmm. Um, now I, I'm not sure that either Nashville or the Blues are going to be in the playoffs six months from now, but. They're well-coached teams, and so far they haven't been an easy out for others. And if the Canucks play the way that they're playing right now, if they can sustain it, and I don't mean sustaining the 35-4 shot attempts right. or the 5 nothing score, but just have that kind of consistency in their preparation and just be difficult to play against. I mean, doesn't it look like they're getting faster? Each game, and they're of course they're not literally; they're just playing faster. They're playing, moving the puck quicker. The, the decisions are happening faster, and it seems like the staples the coach talks about and the system they want to employ, like it's becoming more second nature. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it's easy to forget as well because you know, talk it had the the he passed his three month audition or whatever it is for coaches last yeah. season, so they probably got <laughs> got to come back and coach some more. But really, with the amount of turnover, like Philip Hironic had hardly played last yeah. year, four games. You look at um, guys that they acquired over the summer, and none of them are core players, but they all seem to be fairly significant, or at least most of them. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at how Ian Cole is doing. Uh, Pew Suter hasn't got anything on the board, but he's been pretty solid as a third-line center. And he's been really important that they have him because they haven't had Teddy Bluger, who might be the most impactful of the new guys. Yeah, Uh, Certainly in the preseason he was, but he's been hurt, so we haven't seen him in a regular season game yet. Uh, My point is they've they've had a lot of new players come into the group. And even though Tockett had the period last year where... For everybody coming back, they had they had a really good understanding of what he wanted, what his expectations are. But this is still, you know, in the embryonic stage of whatever this team is going to be under Tockett. So the fact that they're, if you look back to just, you know, 10 days ago in Philadelphia, where they were with that game, and I think now with what we've seen since, we can say, okay, that was an anomaly. That wasn't, that wasn't the... The terrifying reality that we all feared it was going to be again, just like we've seen for the last couple of years. Um, but you look at what they've done since then, and getting better every game. Now, you know, eventually you hit their limit, and maybe we saw their limit in the first period. It's hard to imagine right. them playing better than that. But they're still kind of just getting accustomed to this and what's expected and how they're expected to play. So, you know, if this is how they are after seven games, to use, um, you know, an analogy, that's not the right word, but anyways, Quinn Hughes, you know, he always tell, tells us and has told us yeah. since he arrived as a rookie, I'm going to be better at game 20 than I am at game 10. I'm going to be better at 40. I'm going to be better in year five than I am in year two. I'm going to be better at 28 than I am right yeah. now at 24. And he does say these things. You know, the Canucks 
should be better at Game 17 than they are at Game 7, and they should be better at Game 37 than they are at 17. So so we'll see. It's been a very impressive beginning. It, it didn't dawn on me till after the game. By the way, can you tell I've had a lot of coffee tonight? This was a run here. I'm only realizing now how caffeinated I am because I've been writing. I haven't been talking to anyone. Anyways, let, me, let, me, up flowing <clears throat> out, yes. let me continue. Uh, now I've lost my train of thought. I shouldn't have stopped. Well, hey, you oh. say, Quinn, you talk about how they're getting better. Oh, get, getting better, yeah. So the yeah, they're, they're still getting, but I was going to say something really smart after that. Oh, well. well at least you'll, you have have to, you'll have to take my word for it. <laughs> it was going to be really clever and insightful. Don't worry. You'll be better at 11.25 than you are at 11.21. Yeah, I'll be better when we're off the air. <laughs> uh, you mentioned being hard to play against. and was It'll there... come back to me, and then I'll interrupt you yes. just like I did. <laughs> That's but, fine. Go ahead. Um, was there anyone that embodied that more and probably needed it more than Nils Hoaglander tonight? Because it felt like even from the first period all the way to the end when his head's getting smashed into the ice, uh, he, he, he was buzzing. Yeah, and, and he was very good in, in Nashville as as well. So, again, in his case, uh, there's been many games where he's looked really good, but then it, it sort of dissipates. Mm-hmm. And so for him, that's pretty good to put together uh, two games now. But now he needs to do 20. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he can't, in, in his mind, of course, can't think mm-hmm. that way because that becomes daunting. But, you know, come back and play with that energy again. Uh, tomorrow night. I thought that line was, mm-hmm. was was very good tonight. And you know, we sat and I were on TV, you know, but <laughs> I, I remembered, yeah. And we had we had it was, it was a harsh reminder coming in today. I was like, oh right, these guys are on TV. Yeah, we had to, we had a a discussion uh, live on television for a mass. <laughs> I, I couldn't listen because I was live on radio. Massive audience um, about the bottom six, and you know, I made the point. Uh, I feel like the third line should have more offense. Like, that mm-hmm. should be a line that can score with with Suter and Garland. And, and Dakota Joshua has been terrific. He was terrific tonight, but he's just not getting anything on the board. But they haven't, you know, they haven't, I think, three points between them uh, pending whatever happened tonight. I haven't seen how they did uh, points-wise. Uh, I know they didn't score. <laughs> but the, that bottom six group is actually contributing. The mm-hmm. club is getting something out of it that... Which is another aspect of these two wins, and and uh, listen, Quinn Hughes has been world class, and anyone who thinks that he's not one of the top defensemen in this league, I don't know what to tell them. Yeah, like how about you know set your PVR or something? <laughs> Just watch, watch one game, and, and we see him like yeah. this every night. But it, it, literally every game, this mm-hmm. is what he has looked like for the most part, and you know. Pedersen is great, and Miller's playing the best hockey of his life, and Thatcher Demko is a, gr- a great goalie, but it's not just about the Fab Four right now. Mm. And and I think that's another difference from times in, during these years of turmoil when the team did get on a roll. So often it just seemed purely driven by that really talented group at the top of the lineup. But now, now you're getting... It feels like you're seeing a team now and not just the Fab Four. Those guys are driving this team for sure, but there's a lot more to it. There's a lot more substance to it. Uh, Brock Besser, another guy, I just want to drop his name, playing the best he's played, Um, certainly since his rookie season. And I'm sure if you compared, if you took ISO video of his games then to now, he's 
a profoundly better two-way player. His, his timing is it more feels like it's back more than well, ever. Like he, he gets into the right spot uh, in the offensive zone, and you can see JT's looking for him, and just he, he's popping like right in the slot, and it, it's collapsing the defense. It just it, he looks really sharp. He's he's got his confidence mm-hmm. back, right? Yeah. He's got his mojo back, is which is what he told us, you know, and all the the complicated grief that he's been through, all the hardship he's endured emotionally, that he told us he felt so in such a better place and ready to play and that's and that's how he looks on the ice he looks quicker he is looks super confident with the puck um making plays and he's and he's playing the 200 foot game he was such a liability last year defensively he's not this year that that line really has has been driving the team every night too they, they certainly have and i mean in terms of the additions has riccio got his di giuseppe jersey signed yet uh, yeah he's got to he's got to no no he just got a tattoo instead yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, pdg's been incredible now another one yeah now in fairness phil di giuseppe was part of this organization before this regime came here but credit to them they they signed him to a two-year deal which looks like a bargain at this rate like an absolute bargain if he's going to be scoring at anywhere near this pace even four points and seven like if he's at a let's say he gets 35 points even for 775k good four checker i mean it's 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 a huge deal but the additions this team has made and we see mccabe comes back all of a sudden the Pedersen line looks great again kuzmenko comes to life garland moves down the lineup now you have a third line again so you look at the, the big moves this organization has made under this regime, adding Mikheyev, adding Filip Aronik, you put in Ian Cole now, look at Pius Suter. The team looks like a team again. And Pius. I don't, Pius, sorry, Pius, you're right. Pius Suter. And we haven't even seen Teddy Bluegrin yet. But if you look at the types of players they've added, the team all of a sudden has spine, and it looks like a team in terms of fitting roles. Now, long-term, they need more, and it's stuff they have to do, of course. But it now looks like a hockey team where everybody has an actual role, and they've addressed some major flaws with this team, and it's coming together. Like, Mikheyev may have not made sense to people last year. Look at the team now. Look at when he came back and how different the team looks. Yeah, I actually thought he kind of made sense last year, too. Yeah, for, I'm for, with you. For, for what, I, for what I agree. Needed, I agree with you. Yeah. Well, what it, you know, when we say and, you know, talking about them as a, as a quote-unquote team, uh, air quotes here on radio, uh again I go back to to the players at the bottom of the lineup and how when the team is sound everybody's fine right like they you don't it's not like you're you're having to carry somebody or or you're dreading this matchup or when that guy's out when the team is sound mm-hmm. and Tyler Myers is is the best example of that like he's you know uh looks like a, a solid thing. probably should be a third pair I know that with the Canucks he's still kind of second mm-hmm. pairing but you know it's not chaos giraffe when the team is so sound around and, I, and I'm just using Tyler as an example it's yeah. that way for for everybody at the bottom of the lineup and it also helps the guys at the top of the lineup because they don't have to do stuff on their own yeah. all they have to do is Apply the system like everybody's applying it, and their greater talent will allow them to do more things. And plus, they do get more offensive opportunity, power plays, and things like that. So that's why it's so important when you have dependability in your system and you have universal buy-in from top to bottom about how the team needs to play. Look at tonight. Uh, a couple of times, Andre Kuzmenko's back uh-huh. check. 
Like, where did that come from? Yeah. First of all, when did he learn to skate? <laughs> and and but just the conscience, and not the conscience, because you know guys mean to do well. Right. And uh, I know from from talking to Kuzmenko, um, lots of times on my own, and that's one of the great things about still going on the road with the team is you have conversations with. Well, people. you travel and go on TV. That's yes. Wow. Unbelievable. That's that move. You know what? See this suit I'm wearing. <laughs> Free. <laughs> Free. I got nothing. Like, what'd you pay for that sweater? <laughs> it was a clearance rack. Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> Nonetheless, fourteen ninety nine. Still well, paid more than he you paid had to for pay the off suit. the loan on those shoes. Those are nice kickers. Kickers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, you're talking Kismanko on the road. Yeah, Kismanko. So, I mean, guys want to do well. But it's also his awareness now, mm-hmm. and a lot of it has to do with, again, confidence in the system, consistency, dependability um, from everybody. It just makes it easier for everybody. Final one, and this is maybe somebody we haven't talked about yet, but we haven't seen him show everything he's capable of because he's coming off an injury. Carson Soucy tonight played 1932. Um, now, obviously, a product of the game, they're up 5 nothing. But I thought in the offensive zone, where, I think where he's shown his most ability so far has been in the offensive zone. He's made some really good plays, got some good shots on goal, made some good plays again tonight. What are you seeing in his game? Well, it was a, he was one of the guys who wasn't as good as he would like to be in Nashville. Yeah. Um, and not just because he turned over the puck uh, on the first, first Nashville goal, one of the Nashville mm-hmm. goals. The first one. But he he had been building. I think I think we need to remember as well when guys miss and and we saw this in recent years with Brock Besser. When guys miss the start, Mikheyev is well, but maybe Mikheyev looks like he's flying from the start. It's hard when you miss the end of preseason and the start of the regular season because everybody is getting you know a st- gaining a step every day. You're getting better condition. You're getting faster. You're getting sharper. Um, and that that's happening. That's improving at a much greater rate early in the season, obviously, because guys are getting used to playing again. And when you miss the end end of the preseason and then the start of the regular season, and you get thrown back in, it takes you a little time to catch up. And I think, especially for a bigger body and mm-hmm. defenseman, um, it it's maybe that transition's a little harder. And I thought, you know, his he was getting better a little bit his first couple of games and then he went backwards in in Nashville. I thought it was a big step forward again tonight for him. I mean the ice time obviously is score driven. If you look at how little by you know their averages uh, Hughes and Heronic played. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of other guys on defense were getting extra minutes, but uh, I still think he is is going to prove to be a very good ad for this team because he does skate so well and he has a really good gap and just is going to be a good defender mm-hmm. for for this team. Like, we're going to notice him. We've noticed Ian Cole. We're going to notice Carson Soucy and what he's able to do defensively. A little different player than Ian Cole, but a lot of similarities there as well. And, you know, they're, they're going to need him because as as positive as everything is right now, they're going to get injuries. We know that, you know, the back end doesn't have the depth and the security that the front ends, front the forward group has. 
um, they have this spectacular pairing of mm-hmm. right now. I think you'd have to say two elite defensemen, but certainly an, an elite defenseman and then an A grade defenseman mm-hmm. as well in Philip Ronick and, and Quinn Hughes, and and that's that's great. And at some point, we're going to see those guys split to balance the pairings and you know have them each carry a pairing. Uh, but you know, there's going to be a challenge at some point with the bottom of the lineup and the bottom of this defense. And so they're going to need they're going to need Susie, mm-hmm. and they're going to need him to play big minutes. And another guy that you know is largely forgotten who will eventually come back, and he will play. And I think he'll give them dependable minutes as a third guy and help with the depth. Is Guillaume Brisebois too? Well, uh, we look forward to the team getting reinforced even more, and the players getting better every twenty games, like Ian McIntyre mentioned. Maybe you see a better version of this Canucks team. Did you remember the smart thing you wanted? to no, say? No, I didn't. I, I sure just, you'll write it down at sportsnet.ca. Yeah, I just wish that I would get be better twenty games from now. Uh, I'm oh. sure you will be. I just want to point out here, Jimmy and Kelowna texting and says, "Don't worry, Bick. I switched to the radio in the intermission, so there's dozens of us." <laughs> there's dozens of us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Excellent. Excellent work. You know, I what? would listen to you too, but I'm on TV. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard, Vic. <laughs> All right. Ian, great stuff as always. Make sure to read his latest on, on sportsnet.ca. We look forward to chatting with them after the next Canucks game, which is tomorrow night at home against the New York Rangers. He's Bick Nazar. Thanks to Josh Elliott Wolf, Fast Eddie Gregory at the back of the radio station. I'm Satyar Shaw. And thanks to all of you for listening and participating here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.